Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, North City Church. You guys are looking alive today. I mean, sorry if that means that other weeks you don't. I don't know. (laughs) Good morning, good morning. Well, I am... uh, one of the pastors here, my name is Christian Ann Larson, and we are just so grateful that you are able to be here with us this morning. Um, as J.D. said earlier, yes, we are married, so let's just eliminate any communi- any confusion. Uh, we would love to meet you uh, after the service at the coffee, and even if you're new, feel free to join us for lunch. We would love to have you, so um, don't, don't worry about that. Um, it's a great opportunity to get to know this community a little bit better. Uh, So last week we started a new series, and it's called A Different Way, Seeking Shalom. And we had a guest speaker come in, and her name is Christine Osgood. And I just want to plug our podcast, because now I guess it's in like seven different places. Someone else does this, not me. But Android users, you can access the podcast now. So if you weren't here, if you wanna, <laughs> if you wanna listen in, and if you missed it, we would love to for you to subscribe to that, and it's an opportunity to to listen to her. And she just did an amazing job painting this big picture of what shalom is. Shalom, peace, is the kind of the common word that we use for it here uh, in kind of the the common day. And she took us from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now, her definition that I'm going to have someone put up on the screen here is this. This is how she talked about it. It's justice-infused peace, wholeness, flourishing for individuals, and systems. Another word she used was completeness. And I love how she brought us to the Old Testament and a letter that the prophet Jeremiah wrote to the Israelite people. And he was encouraging them to seek the shalom of the city. And I think often our default is to seek shalom or peace just for ourselves, right? Sort of, we're we're individualists at at our core because we're Americans. And so what does it look like for us to look outside of ourselves when we think about peace? And throughout the scriptures, this is something that isn't just for us and others, but to think about the different dynamics. It's individually, it's interpersonally, and on a societal level. And so throughout this series, we're going to discuss what this means uh, kind of in this bigger picture. So if you guys want to put up that wheel, this is something we're going to reference. This is something that uh, Christine created, and it's going to be a real anchor for us throughout this series. These are all the aspects of shalom. And so we're going to come back to this over and over again because shalom isn't just one thing, one layer of peace. It's peace that touches all these aspects of our lives. And today we're starting with that spiritual aspect of shalom. And so after talking to a few of you, we had our discipleship tables this last Wednesday, and um, kind of the big question that we all walked away with was like, wow, Christine, you really gave us like this big picture, and it was awesome, but like what does that look like in everyday life? 
right? Who felt like a little overwhelmed after last week? Like, how do we actually live out this big picture shalom of justice-infused peace, right? Um, Sounds amazing, but what does that look like? So before we dive into that question, let's just pray together and acknowledge God's presence here. God, we pause to say you are already here. God, would you receive our praise through our songs of worship this morning? God, would you clear our hearts and our minds away from the distractions that we we experience all the time? God, we want to learn from you. We want to encounter you today. God, would you soften our hearts? We don't take it lightly that you choose to speak on an everyday basis. And so, God, we invite you to speak today through your scripture and throughout this, this time of worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just hold on to this question. What does it look like? What does shalom look like in everyday life? So let me tell you the, the morning that I had last Sunday before I walked in to listen to a sermon on peace. So the morning started at 5.50 for me when Rosie, our three-and-a-half-year-old, not the normal um, early morning riser culprit, uh, started thumping her foot on her bed. So our rooms are right next to each other. I'm like, okay, Rosie's up, awesome. This is a little early. We at least try to get to 6 o'clock in our house, but usually is not the case. So I go in there, and I just say very graciously, I say, you know, Rosie, shh, it's time for sleeping. Just stay in your bed, shh. I'm trying to keep the infant sleeping as long as possible. Like, that's always the goal. Um, and it's almost like she heard me say, game on. How can we get louder, right? So that's what happened. <clears throat> so I go in two more times. By the third time, I'm so mad. Now she is just, like, getting under my skin, and she is purposely trying to make noise. She's singing. You know, it's cute, but it's not. That's how I felt. <laughs> so then I get in there, and I grab her out of her bed, and I'm like, shh. Sleeping. I'm just mad. And I lay her in bed next to me and she's just pouting. She's just like, Mom, you're so mean. I was. I was being mean, I'll be honest. Um, and I just think like, oh, she's pouting. I'm just like the guilt is washing over me. And I think, how could I have done that differently? It's usually one of my questions as a parent. Um, so then Daniel wakes up at 6:20. I'm like, yes, he slept in a little bit. J.D. gets up with him, and I just say to J.D. as he gets up with the kids, I say, can I just have five more minutes? I just need to, like, gather myself before I come out. So normally we have someone who comes and helps us on Sunday mornings because we're both here, but last week we didn't. And I didn't have, like, a really specific role last Sunday, so I was with him. But as I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, it's going to be just me and these kids, and it's something to get them here on Sundays. So... You know, we said goodbye to JD, and um, I thought, you know, they haven't had a bath in a while. That'll be a great time filler. That's what I'm going to go for, okay? So then uh, to put them in the bath, got them situated, I go to get their their clothes real quick, and um, I come back, and oh my gosh, there is poop in this bathtub. And I just, like, freeze. I'm like, oh, shoot, what do I do, you know? And Daniel's just looking at me like, yep, it was me, it was me. So I'm like, okay, quick, rinse him off, shower him down, take him out. And I think, okay, I will deal with that in a second. I need to clothe the children. So I go to their room, I clothe the children. You know, you just go into, like, crisis mode. What's, what do you have to do? Go and clothe the children. And I go back to deal with it. The dog is in the bathtub. 
I won't even fill in the blank, right? Like, we know what he's doing. I am so mad because he's not, I'm like, yes, I don't like what he's doing. But I, that means I have to pick him up and put him outside to make sure that his nasty feet do not touch my carpet. So gross. Like, at this point, I'm so grossed out. Somehow the children are, like, fine. So then I start cleaning up the bathtub. The toilet gets clogged. What the heck? I am so mad at this point again. And okay, and, and then all of a sudden, as I'm like plunging, I see the two children just like watching me plunge. I'm like, awesome, great, audience, sweet. Okay, so like, I think this has got to be enough crises at this point for this morning. Like, can we be done, please? It's my hope. <clears throat> I realize I'm still in my pajamas. It's time to go to church. So um, we have a housemate. She graciously offered to take the kids downstairs to play with them for a little bit it's as if Daniel's leg must have fallen off like separation anxiety to the max complete breakdown so of course my blood like boils because that's what you do as a mom like your kid's not okay but he's fine you know he's fine and then I walk in to listen to a sermon on peace I was like really this is funny I mean, I just chuckled to myself because I thought, yes, I would love, I would love some peace. Now, I'll tell you that story because maybe you don't have children hanging around your ankles. Um, but I'm sure you have some muck and chaos that you experience in your life, right? Maybe it's ongoing, maybe it's situational. And the whole morning, if I were to sort of tune in to what I was feeling... In those moments, oftentimes I feel alone. I feel disjointed, and that 550 version of myself was not the person that I wanted to be the rest of the day. I fell out of control of my emotions, and, and I was already exhausted. <laughs> Do you identify with some of those feelings when you're experiencing that muck or chaos? And so how do we seek shalom in the midst of these circumstances? In the midst of the things that just, it's not the way it's supposed to be. How do we seek this different way as we're talking about in the everyday? When we see just even something like trash around our neighborhood. How do we, how do we address that? When, you know, big as, as big as political systems that feel broken and, and like so intangible of ways to fix it. Racism or, you know, a friend whose marriage is just falling apart. These are the ways that shalom needs to reach these places. But how do they? How do we seek shalom in the midst of these circumstances? Because we look around and oftentimes we think to ourselves, this is not the way it's supposed to be, right? So we're asking this question, how can we individually and then also collectively seek shalom? We're going to turn to Luke 10, and we look to see how Jesus helps us answer this question. And this question is not a new one, right? The relational and the political anxiety that's embedded in our culture was in theirs, too. It just looked different. And so as you turn here, think about the ways that, that Jesus is going to help address and one, help us wonder about this anxiety that was in his culture but is also in ours. There was religious disagreement, and the way that, uh, you know, that showed up and the way that the religious leaders, the pastors of that day, would deal with that disagreement would just simply be to try to outsmart each other. 
Could you imagine? I mean, that's kind of, sometimes you wonder what's happening here today. They were trying to prove who was most accurate, had the most accurate way of following God, the law, the scriptures. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I thought, this kind of reminds me of Jeopardy. Does anyone still watch that show? Come on, don't be a right. Yes! Who are the trivia people in the room? I am not, but I'm glad you are. That's great. Um, no, no need to feel ashamed. I bet you're really smart. I bet you're really smart. So it was, it's almost as though there's this constant game of jeopardy happening between the religious leaders, except there's power and prestige and money at stake as they answer these questions because followers are at stake. So Jesus was often tested like this, and so that's where we're going to pick up our story is in Luke 10, verse 25. It says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Another way we could hear that question is, what must I do to experience shalom? Those are very similar questions. Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, what comes after this scripture is the parable of the Good Samaritan which is probably one of the most famous parables that, that Jesus talks about. And while I'm not going to read uh, it all the way through, just to highlight what Jesus' point is here is that he makes it really clear that to be a good neighbor, it's not someone who knows all the answers. It's, someone who, it's not someone who makes value judgments on other people, but it's a neighbor who shows mercy to even someone they might consider their enemy. And then at the end of that parable, Jesus says, go and do likewise. So this question we've been asking all morning, how do we experience shalom in everyday life? And as I read what, what Jesus has to say here and how he replies to this lawyer, I think it's really clear. We seek shalom by loving God. We seek shalom by loving God. And as I thought about that, I'm like, that's about as basic of a Sunday school answer as I've ever heard, right? <laughs> right? Like, Jesus loves me. It's about as basic as we can get. And you might be thinking, like, preacher, let's, let's get real here. Like, what? Great. Heard that before. Um, but it's not easy, right? Like, if you think about it, if you want peace and wholeness in your body, why would you start with loving God? That's really not necessarily what you might think to do, right? If you want intellectual peace, if something is troubling you, um, why would you start with your relationship with God? It seems sort of like an indirect route. But as we learn from this lawyer, we don't experience shalom just by knowing the right answer. We seek shalom, as Jesus points out, by knowing God, by knowing and loving him and being in relationship with him. And I think it's pretty safe to say that, that most people in their life desire peace, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know someone who doesn't. And for Christians, as people who say, we're going to follow Jesus, we say, 
peace, flourishing, wholeness, as we're talking about, starts with God. Starts with God. And we see in this passage, you know, that the Good Samaritan follows that knowing and loving God then births and allows us to love our neighbor in a different way, to turn outward and to see our neighbor and our neighborhoods in ways that we can love them as well. We seek shalom by loving God. So let me bring you back to that story. I won't bring you into any more nasty details. <laughs> but thinking about last Sunday, that, that five minutes, I just want to zero in there and what, what was happening for me. To be honest, I asked for those minutes pretty selfishly. I didn't want to jump into parenting, and I thought, maybe if I just lay here long enough, they won't notice. It's kind of what I thought. But I was laying in bed, kind of hiding, and I started talking to God. I said, Jesus, it is 6.30 a.m., and I have already lost it. I've already lost my patience. I already screwed up with my daughter. And I don't have much to offer this day. That's how I felt. And I said, Lord, will you be with me? Will you show me the ways that you are with me? Will you show me a different way? Because that, I don't want to do that again. And I already sort of feel alone. Would you help me? I need you. And I just took a deep breath. And I went out and I kissed my kids. And I started over. And you know the story. <laughs> that prayer did not prevent the poop in the bathtub. <laughs> it didn't prevent that tantrum chaos that happened when I was getting dressed. But for me, it gave me a restart. And throughout the morning, yes, the chaos was happening, but I was able to hang on to God and love my kids through it. It gave me a restart that I desperately needed. And I think of surrender is what that moment was for me. And I've learned, and I feel like this is something that God is graciously showing me over and over again as an adult, that there is no way to manufacture shalom in my life. Can I get an amen to that? There is no way that we can manufacture shalom in our life. Because I've tried. <laughs> I don't know if you've tried, but I've tried because there are so many mornings that I've described, like the one I described to you, that I've just tried to push through and grin and bear it, and I fail miserably because I'm just trying to do it on my own. And as a parent and as a pastor, as a wife, I think that is not the person that I want to be. And so what we think about when we think of shalom, it's not willed by us. It's something that God invites us into that we can co-create with God. That's, that's the joy of doing this life with God. And so I thought of how can we get super practical? How can we remember this on a, on a daily basis? And, of course, I went to alliteration. Who doesn't love alliteration? So we have three R's. We want to reset with God like I did in that morning. Reset. How can we have more and more of those moments? How can we reconnect with God? What are the ways that we can do that? 
And what are rituals that we need to find again with God? To reset, to reconnect, and have some rituals. And maybe if you don't like the word ritual, you can put down rhythm. That works too. Checked it. So let's start with that resetting. What do we need to do? What do you need to do to reset on loving God again? Instead of powering through, instead of trying to force your way through life to make something work, what's that moment of surrender where you need to say, I love you, God, and I need a second chance here? I need a third or a fourth chance. Because this is one of those moments where we realize, wow, I think I'm actually designed to be in relationship with God. Right? And that being human is being limited. That's how we were created. We're not, not, as, a, not as a fault, but we're designed to be in relationship with God, to be in a, a whole relationship with God that he completes us. And so this is our starting point for shalom is this need for God because he makes us whole, right? And so I think whenever we talk about shalom, though, we have to acknowledge sort of the dark side of it, too, that there's an anti-shalom, there's sin, and there's brokenness that we experience. Check this guy's name out, Cornelius Platinga. That's this guy's name, that's this quote that I'm going to share with you. Who wants that name? Like, is that coming back in the baby books, right? Cornelius Platinga. He wrote a book called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. I want you to picture this. It's actually a book about sin, but he talks about it from a framework of shalom. He says this, The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. Just just picture that. Maybe if you want to close your eyes. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Now on the flip side. Sin is not only the breaking of law, but also the breaking of covenant with one Savior. Breaking of relationship is another way to hear that. Sin is the smearing of relationship, the grieving of a divine parent, a betrayal, knowingly or unknowingly, of the partner whom we are joined by a holy bond. And I appreciate that because it shows us that to reset, we need to think about our relationship with God first. Think about know God first. That sin is the breaking of relationship with him first. That's why that starting point of shalom is with him. So I'm going to put a simple prayer up on the screen that just summarizes kind of a way that you can rehearse this in those moments when you need to reset. I am limited, I surrender, and I need you, God. Sort of another version of of the AA prayer of noticing ways that that you just need to let go of control. I am limited, I surrender, and I need you. So reconnecting. How do we reconnect with God? And I was, as I was thinking about this, I thought, how many of us have tried over and over in our lives spiritually to reconnect with God, and then we think, well, that just didn't work. <laughs> we try a new Bible reading plan or a devotional or a group, and after a week or so, you're like, well, this is just isn't working for me, right? It's hard. I feel like I've been there a ton. But I think what happens in those moments is we get afraid to 
reconnect with God because it's hard and we just don't want to bring the failures of not, re, of not connecting with God with us. And it takes a lot of courage to say, God, I'm going to lean into you again, um, even though I don't feel like I deserve to be in relationship with you. Because you've been there, and I don't know how to deal with the fact that I haven't been able to show up to you too. And, you know, depending on your life stage, though, like sometimes we just need a refresh. We need a new idea. We need a way to understand and, and connect with God again, a new, some new ideas. So our scripture today, I love that it, it actually is, didn't start in Luke. This is an Old Testament scripture from Deuteronomy. It was a very famous Jewish passage called the Shema, which means to hear, hear in, to listen in to God. It was a text that a Jew, Jewish person would say every day. Um, I was able to study Hebrew in seminary and kind of gave me an excuse to go back and, uh, and to think about the Hebrew words that are used here. And Truthfully, you can geek out a little bit, too, if you're into that. Like, you can go online, and, like, all these things are online, so you don't have to go to seminary. Secret tip. Um, <laughs> so I encourage you to do this uh, if you're curious about these things, too. So I'm going to read it from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, as we hold on to this reconnecting with God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them all the time when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, avoiding your day, uh, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What are we supposed to do this with? The love of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And as I was reading that, the word all stood out to me, which is kol in Hebrew, which means the whole, entire, your everything. And I think so often we try to love God with our best, with the parts of us that we're most proud about, right? That we, we aren't afraid to bring to God, but, but God actually wants us to bring our brokenness and the vulnerabilities of us too, right? And so seeking shalom by loving God is saying, God, here I am <laughs> in the mess, in the vulnerabilities, in the places that I'm not proud of, in the places that I feel like you haven't seen in a while. He wants to reconnect with all of us. So throughout this series, we're going to look at this wheel, and we're going to look at the different ways of understanding shalom in our lives. And if you go to the next page, I'm going to kind of go through. These are heart, soul, and strength in Hebrew. And I love this because Hebrew is a, is a picture language. It has way less words, but then it, it reaches and touches so many other words. So heart, lavav, it means your inner person, your mind, your will, your heart, your anger, your desire, your intelligence, the soul. Nefesh. It's what makes you a human. Your passions, your appetite, the things that drive you to do and, and sort of do amazing things in this world. Your strength. Ma'od. means force, muchness, abundance, or it's like using your body in these moments. So if you go to the next, next little picture here, remember those words. Think about how it touches each and every 
one of these parts of shalom that Christine tries to pull out. Our emotions, our physical, the meaning or our vocation, the relational aspect of us, our mind, our intelligence. God wants to reconnect with every single part of us, even the parts that we feel just sort of the weakest in, right? That's what I love about the scriptures is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. It means love God with every part of you. And it starts with this reconnecting and knowing God. So the last piece, the rituals, the rhythms. Another way to think about this is what are the habits in your life that you go back to? The business world is sort of fascinated with habits right now. And it, the, the research shows it takes about 21 days to develop a habit in your life. And what, you know, 21 days for some of us is like, yeah, that's not much. For other of us, it's like, oh, my gosh, it takes that long. <laughs> we can do this. But it just shows that it takes diligence to, cr- to sort of craft paths, pathways that we go down every day in our lives. That's why I asked that question, what's something you do every day? How long did it cre- take for you to create that habit? And so to give ourselves a little grace to say it takes time to create loving God habits in our life. So throughout this series, we're going to actually be giving you different exercises you can try, different challenges, different ways that you can create habits in your life. And there, all the resources are backed by the coffee, and I encourage you to check them out before you leave today. But just remember, we're going to give you new ones every week, so don't get too overwhelmed. Like, don't pick all of them because that's not going to work for you either. That's usually my approach. It's like, I'm going to do all these things, all these new habits, and then I get totally overwhelmed. So to think about this, one one habit that I'm going to push to the top is Sabbath. Rest. J.D. and I talk about it as just stop. (laughs) Stop. Stop moving. Stop trying to do everything. If this isn't a part of your ritual, and that's kind of a, a, a Christian or a Jewish word, It means stop, and the theology behind it, or how I would sum it up, is that it says when you stop for half a day or a full day, when you're not working, you say, you are God, and I am not. And this world will keep going on without me. Right? Why do we tell ourselves something different when we check our email all the time or do work on days that we're not supposed to. Have you ever practiced the Sabbath? I would encourage you to think about ways that you can integrate this in your life as a habit because what J.D. and I have noticed, it's a keystone, it's sort of a, a launching pad for so many other helpful rhythms in our life, ways that we can simply just connect and be with God and each other and our kids, to put away the phone and to play and to sleep, try to, at least in our house. So one, one habit that I would encourage you, and there's a sort of a, another way to tackle it back there, is a half day for three weeks to try it. It's a 21-day period. Take a half day for three weeks to stop work, put away the phone, to play, do things that fill you up to reconnect you with God. The last one that is over there, too, that I want to point you to is uh, a spiritual pathways assessment. Because for some of us, we might need a refresh of how to connect with God. That we've kind of been doing the same thing over and over, and we need some new ideas. 
because there are people who, who love this stuff and who say, yeah, maybe you're created to connect with God in nature, or maybe you're someone who likes to do it through art. There's so many different ways because God wants to connect with you, and so there's an assessment that can maybe guide you to try some new and different ways of connecting with God. I'm going to invite Kara back up because uh, we're going to close in a song. But would you try one thing? I love that the spiritual one got to go first, right? Like, try one thing with, with me, to try one of those things. And maybe it's, it's not even one of these practices. It's more of using that phrase of surrender on a daily basis or in the moments when you just feel like you're out of control, to find that phrase that you come back to. But what's that one habit that you want to try so that you can reconnect with God? We're going to um, sing a song that we've sung the last couple weeks called Come Tear Down the Walls. And I want to invite you into a time of worship to, um, to read the words on the screen. If you can sing and, and think and pray at the same time, I encourage you to do that too. We try to pick songs that help us usher into God's presence to experience God. Because um, this song says, come tear down the walls of this heart. Every wall that I've built up, every wall that I've built up. And so I just want to give you a chance to examine your heart and to say, what are the walls that I have built up over time that, God, if I'm going to be vulnerable and real with you, that I'm just going to let you see and let you tear down those walls? Because that, it's not us tearing them down. It's, it's that surrender posture to reset and to reconnect with God again. So as I was praying for North City Church, for the people here and the people who aren't here, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I just wanted to know, like, God's love is like no other. And so when you reconnect with God, he will not disappoint you. There's no fear in love, friends. And so his way is the way of shalom. His way is ready to greet you and to love you. And so when I think about this community doing this together, resetting and reconnecting, I think about the many neighborhoods and neighbors that will see that overflow of God's love. That's what I pray for, and that's what I hope for. And so today as we close, I'm just going to read Jesus' words to us again. That Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength so that you may love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen. Amen.